Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. My extended family loves puzzles. We're so neurotic about them that we have rules for doing them. For instance, you're not allowed to look at the cover of the box. That's cheating. And as the puzzle nears completion, there's a rule that once you pick up a piece, you can't put it down until you've figured out where it goes. True confessions, I break that one all the time. I'm not that good. My family is always looking for ways to make puzzles harder. My uncle appears to have perfected it. He took a 12 by 12 inch board and cut it free form with a handsaw. So none of the pieces look like any of the other pieces. These pieces are all natural grain wood on one side and on the other side are one of three colors, red, blue, or white. At first glance, it looks pretty easy, but no one has ever been able to do it on their first try. Even my grandmother, who is the matriarch of all puzzlers, gave up on it. The pieces look like they fit together, but no matter how hard people work at it, they can't figure it out. You're just sitting there, holding the pieces, knowing something is wrong, but totally stumped. You can only figure it out after my uncle tells you the catch. After he cut the board apart, he jumbled all the pieces together and then picked them up one by one and painted whichever side he felt like with whichever color he felt like. So there's no right side up for any given piece. And the colors are actually more a distraction than a help because two light color pieces don't necessarily go next to each other. Once you know that, with a lot of patience and some help from a few friends, you can figure out how it all goes together. This is a lighthearted example, but I wonder if it gives us a glimpse of what the prophet Habakkuk was going through as he considered the state of Judah's society. He sees destruction and violence, strife and contention all around him. God's order for society is not being followed. That is, the puzzle pieces are scattered and broken rather than fitting the way they should be instead of a community that worships Yahweh and cares for its neighbors, he sees broken relationships, oppression of the poor by the wealthy, violence against others, arguments, lawsuits. Ultimately, God's law is powerless and paralyzed. Right judgments come out twisted and justice is defeated. Habakkuk is speaking to the kingdom of Judah in the late 6th century. Roughly a decade earlier, under the King Josiah, 
Judah had experienced a religious transformation. They rediscovered the law, renovated the temple, renewed worship of Yahweh, and reformed society so that they were following God's justice, the way God meant the world to work. But these reforms didn't stick, and after Josiah's death, the inhabitants of Judah quickly returned to their former ways. As Habakkuk watches all of this, he cries out to God for help, but God seems to be silent. And when God does respond, he sends the Babylonians, an equally evil nation, to defeat Judah. How is this justice? Like with the puzzle, Hezekiah knows that there is a right order. Justice does exist, but the pieces he holds seem to make no sense with each other. And this is not that far off from our society today. We know that our world is not the good world that God intended for us when he created us. We don't see God's justice around us. I woke up this morning and looked at my phone and one of the banners across it was headlines from the New York Times saying that 170 people were trampled to death at a soccer match in Indonesia this morning. There was a match, the home team lost, people rushed the field, the police used tear gas, and in the ensuing panic, all of these people died. And now, the fans blame the police, and the police, the police blame the fans. And regardless of what actually happened, this is not God's justice for our world. This is not how God intends the world to work. Closer to home, this week we watched Hurricane Ian basically almost wipe Florida off the map. So many people had their livelihoods, their homes, washed away. One estimate says that less than 20% of the people impacted actually have flood insurance. And FEMA will step in and that will help some, but it's gonna take years for these people to get their lives back together. And the people who have the weakest financial safety net and social safety net will be the people who struggle the most to figure out how to deal with this. This is not God's order for our world. This is not what he intended for us. We look out at this and we cry out to God, but sometimes it feels like he doesn't answer. The puzzle pieces don't fit together into what God's order is, and he's silent in the midst of it. But Habakkuk doesn't give up. He goes to the watchtower on the wall around Judah, and he stands and he waits for a vision. He waits for an answer from God. That answer is not found in the mess of society, but in the very nature of God. And while the book of Habakkuk ends without any easy answers or pat answers to the prophet's questions, we are told how to live in the midst of these questions and this confusion. Habakkuk 2.4 says, 
Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. The righteous live by their faith. The righteous live not because they have all the answers, but because they have faith in the faithfulness of God, despite all that they see in front of them. So what does a life characterized by faith in God's faithfulness look like? The first and really important part is this. Our faith is less important than God's faithfulness. The gospel tells us that even faith the size of a mustard seed can do amazing things. All of us have faith riddled with doubt, questions, and misunderstandings. None of us get it the way that we ought to. But God, as the author of our faith, and as the perfect example of faithfulness himself, works in and through whatever inadequate faith is in us. And it's actually better this way, because if we did have rock-solid, super-awesome faith, we'd fall into the trap of the spirit of pride that the first half of the verse talks about. Our dependence on God, our trust that he can handle our doubts and our misunderstandings, is part of the point. The second part of a life characterized by faith in God's faithfulness is knowing that the ultimate picture of God's faithfulness is seen in Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Habakkuk didn't get to see this, but the Apostle Paul reinterprets this very verse in light of the gospel in Romans when he says that the righteousness of God, that is, his faithfulness and steadfastness, is revealed from faith through faith in the gospel. Jesus' incarnation shows us that God is not distant from the pain and disorder of this world. In fact, he came and inhabited this broken world alongside us. He experienced our pain, our doubt, and our temptations. He was betrayed and disowned, misunderstood and mocked, and ultimately crucified for us. He showed perfect faithfulness through everything, faithfulness to God's plan for salvation for us. No matter what it cost him, he didn't falter. So death could not hold him, and he rose again, and this gives us hope for our lives today and for the future. An innocent man dying should not be God's justice. But in Jesus, it is the highest example of God's justice. It is the act of disorder that brings order to a world that desperately needs it. It is the solution to the puzzle, the underlying logic that shows how all of the pieces fit together.
when I think about a life lived by faith in God's faithfulness, I get this image in my mind. It's like holding a puzzle piece, a puzzle piece that maybe has a lot of pain and hurt painted on it. It's looking down at the puzzle and not seeing how the pieces fit together, not seeing how God's good order can come out of the mess and jumble on the table. But it's being willing to hold the peace and trust that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is enough to heal the world and is enough to sustain us while we wait for Jesus to put the puzzle pieces back together. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.